I think that people who work in collaborative roles at work are probably having some of the most challenging days during the pandemic. When you go from a face-to-face -face interaction to only Zoom or WebEx, it challenges even the most adept communicator. So if you're lucky enough to be working remotely, how has working remotely affected your interactions and relationships with your coworkers? And what do you use as your relief valve during the day when you're spending it all sitting on video conference meetings? One last plug, my friends, election day is next Tuesday. I've said it before and I feel like it's worth repeating one last time. I sincerely believe that you having a right to vote as you choose without risk of disenfranchisement is the cornerstone of a modern civilization. And not everyone out there in our leadership feels the same. So if you haven't voted already, make sure you have a plan and above all else, vote. Because this year, our lives do depend on it. Noel Stransky is a user experience design strategist for brands such as ZipRecruiter, Livestrong.com, and The Active Network. She's also spent time working in the gaming industry at Microsoft Xbox and is currently working on internal tooling at Riot Games. When Noel isn't busy leveraging her technical and creative talents to craft a world-class design, she can usually be found building massive art installations for Burning Man out of wood, metal, fire effects, and LEDs. Uh, Noel, thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for having me, Jeff. It's uh, nice to be here. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do? I am a user experience designer. Um, so I'm uh, responsible for kind of the kind of initial design and planning of websites and mobile applications and internal tools. Um, so I've done a lot of work in the mobile space, uh, working on different consumer mobile applications. Uh, so more recently at ZipRecruiter, working on their job seeker mobile application. Um, okay. And then I've also spent a lot of time working kind of in the 10 foot space, which is industry jargon for like TVs, consoles, kind of the, so I've gone from like the little tiny screen to a really big screen. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and currently I'm working with uh, Riot Games, working in uh, internal tools. Cool. What's the difference uh, between the tools you're developing that are customer facing versus the tools you're developing for inside? Is there a different aesthetic for that? No, it's it's a really interesting. So it's a space that's new to me. Um, so uh, starting with this position has been my first time kind of going internal. Uh, I think traditionally internal facing things have not gotten a lot of love. Uh, yeah, I can I can vouch for that. Yeah, the user <laughs> internally of them. Yeah, it, as anybody who's had to use internal software, it's it usually looks pretty bad. Um, and I think usually teams just don't have a designer available. Um, so what I'm trying to do is take the things that I know from consumer facing products and bring it into internal tooling because we're we're both external and internal consumers. Like if I can make it faster and easier for somebody to use something internally, like that just benefits everyone. Um, yeah. And now that we live our lives on a Zoom meeting, like anything to make our lives a little bit easier. Oh, I hear you. It's funny. 
Uh, I've been in IT for a long time. I go back to the pre-tech transformation days, right? When a programmer had the responsibility of coming up with everything that mm -hmm. went into the interface. And I remember one of the jobs I had a long time ago, I was writing code for a, a rental car company and I got to write their uh, customer reservation system, right? So basically travel agents would use it to book car rentals because this is before the web. What was funny was the person who was originally writing the programs definitely wrote the programs for the computer and not for the people who had to use them. And so you'd have this interface come up and it would have 12 lines that you were entering data against on the interface and every single line you'd enter it and it would redraw the screen, right? So when you're talking 50,000 records that have to be updated, it took Ooh. a lifetime to get the work done. And the first, one of the first things I did was go back and say, no, 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 no. We have to start writing these things for the user, not for the computer. So having people who just think about the aesthetics of how, how these things work is really, really valuable, I think, to the users who have to use it. Absolutely. How are you, uh, where, did, where did you get trained for this kind of thing? Did you pick it up on your own? Did you have any kind of formal experience with it? So I went to uh, Western Washington University, which is up in Bellingham, Washington. And we had a, uh, back in my day, we had a web design program. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so it was the school had a like a graphic design uh, design discipline, and we were split up between like traditional graphic design and web design. Um, I so I don't think even we were using the term UX designer then. Uh, it was just everyone was still a webmaster and a web designer. Uh, yeah. And it was actually kind of my f the first job I got out of college. I was working at a little startup that had a product that it was like five years worth of blog articles and web pages that had just piled up and piled up. It was a yeah. mess. Yeah. And I think that's really where I started learning more about information architecture and UX design and like the structure of the site being an experience. So I'd say like some of it I got in school and then a lot of it was learned on the job, um, mostly out of necessity too. Um, just okay. like we had a problem and I had to figure out how to fix the problem. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's the best way for it to go, right? Yeah. Are you part of a bigger team that works on the user experience? Um, not really, actually. So uh, I'm back uh, kind of being a solo designer for at least my org currently. Um, okay. But I do kind of have partnerships with uh, other teams inside of Riot Games. So we have a couple other spots that have larger UX design teams. Uh, so just so I don't go crazy by myself huh. alone in a corner, um, I try to kind of reach out and go to their meetings and bounce ideas off of them as well. Do you uh, have a lot of uh, direct interaction with the user? What would be your user community for uh, requirements and things like that? Yeah, and that's actually the really interesting thing about doing internal tools at a like a kind of at least like mid-sized bigger company is like my my user are kind of those admin company delivery leads, like folks kind of running the ship at Riot. So yeah. it's actually been really easy to be able to just grab time on their calendars and talk with people directly. Um, okay. So like immediate feedback is like and everyone at Riot is very good at uh like giving a lot of both positive and critical feedback and constructive okay. feedback. Um, yeah. The, like the only thing we run into is when I'm working on consumer applications, we could 
publish something and get data back from millions of people. Right. Uh, so we'd get a good idea of what was working, what was not working. Um, yeah. Whereas when we're working internally, it's only a couple hundred. So it yeah. like that data is not quite as strong. Okay. It's a very collaborative business. It sounds like what you're yeah. doing. Yeah. How has the pandemic uh, affected you? Cause I'm guessing that you're working from home, just like the mm -hmm. rest of us these days. <laughs> um, were you always working from home or were you in the office most of the time before things shut down? Yeah, I like primarily I I was kind of always in an office with like the sporadic work from home day here or there. Um, yeah. I started this job the first week of January. So I got a good like two months, two and a half months in physically at the office. Uh which was super good because I'm, I got to at least build up some in-person relationships before being hidden away in my house quarantined. Uh, so yeah, it's been an interesting transition. I imagine that most of the work we do, we can do from, uh, from remote. And uh, the timing of this, if there's anything good that comes out of the timing of the pandemic, it's that it hit at a time when the tools for being able to work remotely were pretty much mature enough to be able mm -hmm. to work, right? I mean, we all have VPN yeah. access. We all have tools like Zoom and things like that. But I I can't imagine how the collaboration effort when you're sitting down in a conference room with a bunch of people and a whiteboard uh, to, to work out things um, has changed and how we keep that going. What's your experience with that been like? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been an interesting process because uh, we've tried some new tools that are a little bit more uh, cloud-based whiteboarding tools, um, but it's just, it's hard because especially in a video chat, you can't have three people talking at once. Um, yeah. You can kind of get away with that in person, uh, but like in some ways it's made the design process a little bit harder. Um, yeah. I am glad that for myself, since my stakeholders generally are like one or two people, that I can still get people on a video chat and then get pretty good engagement. Um, but I do find it's a lot of time like hunting people down and being like, hey, hey, I need you now. Let's let's chat. Yeah, life was never uh, as tightly uh, scheduled back when we were doing things in person as they are uh, now because they have to be right. You never know yeah. where somebody's yeah. going to be. They just Absolutely. walk over to their desk. Yeah. Um, well, and I, I've found too, like I, I'm assuming other people are feeling this as well too, but I'm just exhausted after yeah. like a lot of video meetings as well too. So having to be mindful of making sure that I've given myself the space to recover and be able to not be super bitchy or tired when yeah. I'm hopping into the next meeting. No, that's, that's, that's an interesting point. Cause I, I've, I've been uh, working from home uh, for a while uh, so mm -hmm. I've been doing some consulting and things like that. And when you spend eight hours a day on a Zoom call, it's far more exhausting than um, just even spending, you know, having 15 meetings and running back and forth around the office. Uh, it just, I don't know. I don't know what it is about it that causes yeah. that. Maybe it's the forced focus that you have to have when you're staring at the screen. It's a little bit harder to hear what people are saying, especially in a crowded room. Yeah. Um, yeah, I totally, well, and we're, totally understand. And we're lacking all of those in-between, like, human interaction moments uh, that, like, like going to get water out of the sink and talking to a random coworker or, like, it's all, like, now that I'm stuck at home, like, I just sit at my desk for a long time. 
Um, And I would like, will go harass my husband every once in a while just to like talk to somebody. But I forgot how much those like little interactions and even like walking from building to building kind of helped center me throughout the day and kind of relieve some of the stress. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The the reason I call it the podcast relief valve is because I'm looking for those things that we have in our lives that help uh, let the pressure off a little bit and make Mm -hmm. it easier. And, and not being in an office and having that chance to sit and chat for a few minutes is definitely one of those relief valves I miss in my life. It definitely makes a difference. How has life itself changed for you since all of this started? (laughs) I mean, it's been crazy because like, uh, yeah, a lot of missing a lot of things. Yeah. Um, like even now I was just thinking back to like the before times and pre pandemic, how much I'd go out for dance classes and dinner with friends. And, uh, my husband and I are really active in the Burning Man community. So we were helping set up in-person events for that. And just like not having that right now has been crazy, uh, particularly since we have a lot of time on our hands, but not as much to do with it. Um, uh, have you yeah. have you have you found anything that helps uh, fill some of those gaps? Yeah, we've been doing a lot of home projects. Um, so uh, we are currently working on we're turning a like a landscaping trailer into a mini like living home trailer. Uh, okay. So that's been phenomenal, just to like especially since I sit at a computer all day to have something that is physical that I'm working with my hands. And doing some like light construction work with, um, okay. That yeah, that has been huge. And then we're also drowning ourselves in different crafts. So we started like checking out making armor and like prop weapons out of foam. Um, nice. And crafting. So like, I think we've both got like a a giant backlog of different craft projects that we can. <laughs> we've got all the materials, and we can just kind of work on stuff at home and and be happy doing that. That's very cool. One of one of the things my family and I have adopted has been watching the show Forged in Fire, where they're making like real swords and things Ooh, like that. And I I'm like, check that out. I, yeah, it's 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 very cool. It's on the History Channel, and just watching people take you know scrap metal and turn it into a fine weapon is amazing to watch. And probably the greatest thing for me is I don't have enough room to try to build a forge and learn how to do that on my own at home. Because nothing good could possibly come of me, you know, trying to melt steel and then turn <laughs> it into something useful. Yeah. What kind of stuff did you do for uh, Burning Man? Uh, so we actually work, uh, we work staff for both the event and some regional events. Um, okay. So for the Big Burn, I volunteer with a group uh, that kind of helps build the city. Um, so oh, Okay. My group, uh, we deal with some of the water trucks coming in. So uh, I actually go around as a like a tank inspector. <laughs> okay. And then so my, just, yeah. How much, how, much, just how much water do they bring in for, what is it? Uh, one week or two weeks? Yeah. Um, ooh, yeah. Personally, you should bring something like, it's like 2.5 gallons per person per day. Okay. Um, and then you're looking at a week. It's a lot. And then, yeah, yeah, we bring in we bring in a lot, a lot of just industrial water for uh, medical and the commissary um, and staff. Uh, and then just also having emergency water, too. So, like, just in case we get stuck out there that uh, there's water available if there was a, like, terrible emergency. Sure. It's a big, uh, 
It's a big event. How long does the uh, planning up front take for it? The so the event itself spans a week. Um, uh, the DPW crews that I'm a subset of uh, start on playa sometimes a month ahead of time. Um, wow. And some of them are even working as soon as like June uh, and May in uh, like San Francisco and Reno. So the I mean the event run like planning for it runs at least half a year. If not, sure. probably. <laughs> Usually, by the time the the event is over, then everyone is starting to plan for the next year. Do you, do you move up there for that entire month, or do you go up on weekends? How does that work? So I I usually when I go out, it's only about three weeks or two and a half weeks. Uh, so at that point, everybody has moved on to the playa surface. So yeah, I'll actually go out and be there for three weeks. Um, Okay. Uh, my husband's on a crew that he goes out for a month. So usually he's out there before me and set up. So I get to kind of show up and move into the trailer. Is that your vacation time every year or, uh, yeah. do you have enough that you can do other things? That's it, huh? That's where you get yeah. to go. <laughs> I, you, usually I'm able to like take one more little vacation or two here or there throughout the year. So I've been yeah. lucky to work at places that have the open or unlimited vacation policy. So. Um, okay. I try to take like time a couple times a year just to decompress. Um, okay. Yeah. Very cool. What, what was the biggest challenge that you faced when it became clear that we were all going to have to shut our lives down and, um, find some other way to, to work? What was mm-hmm. the biggest thing you had to do to change your life to get ready for that? Yeah. Um, get ready is get ready is probably not a good term either, since yeah. none of us really had any time to get ready. It all happened in like two, three days. Yeah, probably. No. Well, it was it was such a trip, actually, because we my husband and I were getting ready to go to a Burning Man regional event on like Friday. Um, and on, uh, I think, Wednesday or Thursday, like my company gave the word that like, oh, no, we're we're shutting down and we're sending you all home. And then, uh, then the event organizer just made the hard decision of deciding to cancel the event because stuff had started getting bad. So we had actually prepped for living in the desert for two weeks already. Okay. So, so it was kind of funny, like as we were running around trying to like buy some more groceries, just being like, okay, well, I think we're kind of okay because we we just You're were prepping. Stopped. Yeah. Right. That's funny. No, no toilet paper shortage in your house. Yeah. You were all ready for that. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's good. We were good. Um, yeah, I mean, I think like initially, like I had a, just a ton of anxiety, um, and like, con- like I think trying to balance the the anxiety and kind of tamp that down, uh, while also being like, all right, let's like try to go buy some bleach and get a good yeah. face mask and like figure out the yeah. ways that we're going to adapt to this. I'm a news, I'm a news hound. So I mm-hmm. was, I always watch the news a lot. And I remember when the initial stories about things happening up in Washington state started to come out back in probably the end of January ish, just for the hell of it. I went and ordered a bunch of uh, masks back then because mm-hmm. uh, just my gut told me something yeah. was happening. Uh, so that by the time it got really bad, at least, you know, uh, masks and hand sanitizer, hand sanitizer were in the house already. Yeah. Um, but it was remarkable to see how people initially reacted and the things that they reacted to, like the shortage of toilet paper was one of those things I never fully understood. And the amount of time it took to just for paper goods in general 
to find their way back out into the supply chain was really weird to me. Yeah. Watching the whole length of the pandemic has been weird that way. It's like, okay, all of a sudden you can't buy a can of soup because there's no soup on the shelves. Why did that happen? You know? Um, And then it would last for two weeks. And then all of a sudden there'd be a new supply that would show up. And so I guess we, uh, we have some lessons we have to learn coming out of this on how to be better prepared next time. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the intersection between like, I don't, I don't like use using the word prepper because it's got a little bit of a dirty connotation nowadays, but kind of like prepping and burning man, or just like being ready for natural disasters actually crosses pretty well. So I feel like generally I felt pretty prepared with my husband and I, um, and like, thankfully, a lot of the stuff we would normally get for Burning Man that we had shoved away in bins, like helped, because uh, usually we need dust masks and gloves and goggles. Uh, so like, we were able to just kind of pull some of our stuff out. Uh, but yeah, I remember at some point somebody being like, wait, so toilet paper is the apocalypse we now live in. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely been, it's definitely been a strange year for all of us. Um, what new tools did you pick up on to help get through the day to day since everything changed for you? Um, uh, so work wise, kind of in the last six months, the companies I've been at, uh, have transitioned to using Figma, um, which is a cloud-based collaborative design tool. Uh, okay. so the great thing about it is I can give it to my team and while I'm working live on designs, my team can kind of pop in at any point, see what I'm doing give comments, give feedback. Uh, So that I've been tremendously happy that that was set up pre-pandemic and we were used to using it. So it made it a lot easier for people to access it. Um, How about, how about extended family? Do you have extended family and find it challenging to keep in touch? Yeah, we, we haven't done, we've done a couple like zoom calls and tried to play like Jackbox games on them. Uh, yeah. Which like, if you, if you're able to get over the technical hurdles to getting it running, it was, was actually really fun and really nice. Um, but it's also that balance. Like if all day at work, I'm on a video chat, the last thing I want to do when I call my mom at the end of the day is also video chat. Uh, yeah. So we've kind of, we've just stuck to like phone conversations. One, one surprising one, actually, uh, that and, and it might be because I'm working more in the gaming industry now is that Discord has popped up a ton for me. Um, oh, OK. Uh, and it's actually been really nice just to have like a couple of my close friends on Discord and we'll just turn it on and like eat dinner and then like play a couple games with people. And it it at least gives that impression that like you've got other people in the room. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. People who I used to hang out with on a regular basis, we now, you know, we'll do virtual cigars and, and happy hour like once a week on uh, on Zoom or something like that. And it's been okay. You know, nice. it's not the same as sitting across the room, yeah. but it, it does the job. Um, and only recently have I allowed myself like to go sit in an outside coffee shop with, mm-hmm. with uh, people other than my immediate family and... Uh, sit across the table from them and spend some time. So I guess we'll all get ready to the new, get, get used to the new normal. Yeah. Yeah. We've Um, done a couple like bike rides too. Like our, our whole bright line has always been like, if it's out, like a limited number of people, but outside six foot at a distance, like that, that feels pretty safe right now. 
Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. So, uh, what's what do you think the next six months look like for you? Uh, I don't know. I, I I feel like a lone pessimist right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. I feel uh, work wise, I think it's going to be about the same. Like I uh, I don't think like I think work wise, we're just going to continue to like every day at a time adapt to this new normal. Um, yeah. Have they made decisions that that they're not going to bring people back into the office or are they still planning on doing that? I think we're still waiting to hear, but the last we heard was like January ish. So yeah, um, I know we've, we've got a couple of months. I'm, I'm worried that the winter might get a little bad uh, just as far as the pandemic goes uh, as well too. So like from a personal perspective, part of me is like, you're, you're not going to get me to go sit in an office with a bunch of other people for a while. Yeah, definitely not till flu season's passed, I think. Yeah. Um, So like, yeah, we like, I feel a little bit like October is going to be a little bit of a last hurrah before hibernating for the rest of the year. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. How has social media treated you through this? And I've, I've found the experience of being on social media since all of this. Well, it goes back before all of this started to be um, less than great. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Additional weight of exhausting. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Yes. Actually all by itself. Um, I've I've partitioned my social media life into basically three areas, right? Mm -hmm. There's Facebook, which is about keeping in touch with old friends. There's uh, uh, LinkedIn, which is about business contacts and and doing that kind of thing. And then there's Twitter, which is the Wild West. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and there are definitely days when I go, I can't do this one anymore. (laughs) Just skip it for the day. Nope. Nope. Yeah. Yeah, well, and it's interesting you brought that up because I've kind of done a similar thing. Um, uh, like my my Facebook can kind of be all over the place, and it tends to be the spot that there's probably more news articles that piss me off than anything. Um, yeah, but it it is kind of where like a good chunk of my friends currently are. So it's usually like me personally trying to uh, chat with folks. Um, like LinkedIn obviously is professional and I tend to make my Twitter lean pretty professional. Um, okay. And really I'll like check on it once every six months and then forget about it. Um, yeah. And then I'll have a good reason to go back and be like, Oh yeah, there's this, this Twitter thing. Yeah. Um, but I've yeah. also actually, so for my like crafting and costume projects, I spun up a, a new Instagram profile that's like just dedicated to like costuming and craft cosplay um oh nice and it's actually been a really nice way to curate the feed so i know that that's not like personal friends or historical stuff like it's just straight up costume porn so sometimes it's a nice place to go hide and get a social media fix but not be bombarded with all of the news of the day yeah no that makes sense do you do a lot of um uh, cosplay and things like back in the days when we left our houses, were yeah. you doing a lot of cosplay and uh, things like Comic-Con and stuff like that? Yeah, I have done stuff in the past. Um, not like a tremendous amount, but I just really love costuming uh, and like look for like uh, times to go do it. So now it's funny now that I'm locked up and I can't go out and do that stuff. I'm looking at like, okay, well, when it's safe, like, where should I go and where, what costumes should I make for the future? Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's part of what's keeping me sane. <laughs> no, I hear you. Did you, did you spend a lot of time with things like theater and all of that back in the real world? 
I uh, I was a dancer growing up. Um, okay. So it was a little theater adjacent. I I'm not great with acting, but like dancing and performing on stage is totally my thing. Very so, cool. Yeah. Um, I guess it's possible to continue to practice that kind of stuff, even though you're by yourself doing it. Yeah, it's I, it's been a little hard because I've found it's it's hard to get the motivation to make a costume for something when you don't know when you're going to wear it or where. So I've had a little bit of like costume ADD. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I, I have a yeah. musician in the house and, and she's going absolutely bonkers. <laughs> oh, you know, one-on-one is great, but the idea of ensembles and things like that are pretty much uh, uh, at a standstill for her. Keeping her sane yeah. uh, has been, um, has been a little interesting, but with, you know, it, pandemics don't last forever and all this will yeah. pass at some point in the future. Yeah. The, the year once it's safe for us to gather again is going to be fucking crazy. Cause <laughs> like, I imagine like every concert, every, like, hopefully everything will kind of come back roaring. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, it, uh, n- not to get political. Right. But that's the irony of this is everybody keeps talking about the economy and the economy coming back and, if we just did the right thing up front, we could make all of that stuff happen really quick. Cause yeah. when the world opens up again, you're right. We're all going to go crazy yeah. getting back out there and just jumping back into all the things we miss. So yeah, cool. Definitely wear, wear a mask, wash your hands, take care of your people. Like, yeah, that's all we can do right now. Yep. Yep. So anything I can plug for you, anything you want to talk about, let the audience oh. know. I don't have a ton. Um, uh, you can find me on Twitter at nstransky. Um, okay. I post stuff on there every once in a while. Uh, okay. And yeah, and then that actually probably is a link to my portfolio website, um, which has got some design work on there. But awesome. Yeah. Noel, thanks for taking the time to talk to me today. Absolutely. This has been lovely. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm.